Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing returning guest writer Eric Palicki. He is here to promote his new Kickstarter, Manticore Volume Number 1. It is a 56-page, full-color, oversized, hardcover graphic novella that is a standalone introduction to the What Rough Beast Saga. This campaign is currently underway um, until and will end on Thursday, August 12th. Now, before we start our interview, I just want to give a brief history about um, Eric. So Eric is currently writing the five-part limited series, Blacksmith from Ahoy Comics, that is in shops right now. Well, the first issue is in, um, is in shops right now. Um, and he is working as an editor and a writer on another Kickstarter that campaign that just finished earlier this month called Deadbeats London Calling um, from and it's from a Wave Blue World Publishing, correct? That's all correct. Okay. Um, so London Beats, London Calling, it's a horror anthology graphic novel that's coming out on September 15th um, at your LCS. Um, and it's going um, to be $19.99. The previews code for that um, trade, uh, for that collection is um, JUL. Two one one four one eight. So please um, let your shops know about that. And also, to Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys are also releasing Deadbeats Volume One, also on the same day. Is that correct? Yeah, it'll be a re-release of the original graphic novel that was first released in 2019. Okay, all right. So, so if you guys love horror, if you guys love music, what a great combination. Um, so, if you guys can just, you know. Go to your LCS and let them know to order this. Now, um, I'm going to ask um, Eric, any, did I miss anything? No, that's, uh, that's a very comprehensive list of what I've got going on right now, <laughs> at least as far as what I can talk about. Okay. All right. Now, okay. <laughs> and, um, and I'm going to say, before we start the interview, how are you doing today, Eric? I am doing well. I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing how are you this morning? No, I'm doing good. I've already had my cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on number two right now. Uh, some some really good Hawaiian coffee that a friend sent me. Oh, that's cool. Thank you. That's so cool. Thank you. Okay. Now, um, um, now for our for our listeners, either if you're a new listener or a longtime listener, I'm not going to go through Eric's origin story. Um, if you're interested in you know hearing how Eric you know got into comics, his first comics, and so forth, please check out my interview with him in the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast episode number 644, and that was released on um, June 3rd of 2021 of this year. Now, on today's episode, we'll be, you know, basically focusing on his um, new Kickstarter, Manticore. So, okay, so Eric, I'm just going to jump in. What is the premise for this story? <coughs> Sorry. Um uh, so Manticore is the story of Sheila Cross, a 20-something uh, med school dropout mm -hmm. who is sort of directionless in her life. And one day, uh, a package and a letter from her grandmother arrives, uh, revealing that she has inherited her grandmother's pet monster. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, this is a world where monsters don't exist as far as everyone knows, so... Uh, 
needless to say, Sheila is floored first by the, the news that her grandmother has passed away, and second of all, that she has inherited this very strange gift. And of course, this opens up this whole new world for Sheila, and she has to kind of now unravel the mystery, not only of how her grandmother died, but also how her grandmother lived. Oh, that's gonna, that sounds pretty exciting. And then, um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, so um, this, um, this, this introduction sounds like it's part of an epic story. How did you come up you know, with this, this incredible epic story? Sure. So I want to really reiterate to everyone that this is a standalone book. This is, if, if I never get to make a volume two, if I never get to continue the story, then this is going to be a really satisfying read and experience for a reader. Um, but by the end of the story, again, this is a, this is a world where most people don't know that monsters exist and it, it opens up this world for Sheila and for her roommate, Marla. And uh, it would allow them and us to sort of explore that what that that broader world that we we uh, introduced by the end. Um, but you know, again, I don't want people to think that they're they they have to be in it for the long haul if they back this first Kickstarter. Uh, it is it is definitely when you start picking at the threads of a small story like this, you definitely start to see the larger tapestry that you're building kind of, um, that's a mixed metaphor, but you know, you, you kind of just sort of realize that there's so many more story threads mm -hmm. uh, that you can, that you can pull on if you want to. Mm -hmm. oh, that's, it just sounds exciting. It really is. Um, can, and can I off the cuff question? Can I ask, you know, were there any like writers and I, I'm not talking about comic book writers, but like any, um, science fiction authors, fantasy artists that, that um, inspired you to do this, to create this, uh, to create Manticore? Sure. You know, when I, when I talk about writers that I really have loved and have really been an influence to me in terms of specifically fantasy, uh, I, I most often talk about how, you know, I, I loved Ray Bradbury short stories as a kid. I love the, the, the easily consumable short stories of someone like Ray Bradbury or Harlan Ellison and specific to Ray Bradbury, you know, he, he wrote a lot of short stories that fed into these larger narratives. Um, and, and that has really been an influence on this where, you know, the, um, the Martian Chronicles are mm -hmm. short stories, but they all sort of center around a, a, a unified theme, uh, just to give you an example. And then in terms of just the, for this particular story, uh, there's a lot of Neil Gaiman in terms of, uh, you know, our relationship with fantasy that, that I really explore. That is so cool. Thank you very much for answering that question. Of course. Um, do you have, I'm just asking, I know you said this is, you know, a standalone story. Um, if, if you do continue on, you know, with the What Rough Beast Saga, do you have an idea how many books you might have in this series? I think that Sheila's story is is five five books five books of roughly the same size. These novella easily consumable, uh, not quite short stories, but you know the equivalent of like two comics issues. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know that's a ten issue story if you're thinking about it in terms of uh, you know uh, the typical floppy that you'd pick up at your at your LCS. Mm -hmm. That said. Even in this first issue, there are at least 
two other supporting characters that I would love to give uh, a little attention to. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's 10 issues, but maybe some spinoff opportunities. You know, and of course, we're still, this is all pie in the sky right now. You know, we're still working our way through funding of the first one. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to get, I don't want to put the cart too far ahead of the horse. Oh, no, no, that's, that's no problem. And I just wanted to remind listeners, and right now, now correct me if I'm wrong, right now, um, the campaign, I believe it's, what, it's been, what, about 55% by now funded? Yeah, yeah, we're one week into the campaign, and we're almost at 60% funded. I checked just before we went on the air, and, uh, you know, we're moving along at exactly the clip I was expecting. You know, I, I didn't expect us to, to reach funding in an hour, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a Veronica Mars reboot movie or anything like that. So, you know, we're going to we're going to do what we can. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty confident we'll reach our funding goal. And then I've got some really cool, you know, stretch goals uh, in in mind for if we can get to them before the end of the campaign, including, like I said, I want to do a, a little bit of exploration of those those supporting characters. And I've got a couple little short stories that I'd love to uh, put in the back of the of the hardcover. Oh, that's so cool. So, so listeners, please back this funding because this campaign, because I want to see those short stories. <laughs> and, I, and I do want to, I do want to say, I keep referring to this as, as, uh, as my book. And that's a faux pas. This is our book. This is very much, uh, Christopher Peterson, my, the, uh, the artist collaborator that I'm working on, my partner in crime in this book is, mm -hmm. is much a part of the, you know, the design work and, and has, you know, made some recommendations about where we're taking the story. And, you know, it is, it is definitely a collaborative effort and it's our book. And uh, Chris is doing the, the work of his career here and uh, I'm excited for everyone to see it. And then for our listeners, um, as Eric has mentioned, um, Christopher Peterson, he's the artist. And he also, now correct me if I'm wrong, he's worked with on a couple other Kickstarters, like all we ever wanted and also deadbeats. Is that correct? Yeah, he is. Uh, he's done some some work with with me as a as an artist uh, for some of the books I've I've edited. Uh, All we ever wanted and the original Deadbeats. Uh, he drew stories in in each of those. Uh, he's also worked on a couple of books for Dark Horse. He did a book called uh, Grindhouse, mm -hmm. uh, uh, open all night with uh, uh, writer Alex DeCampi at Dark Horse, and and has been involved in some other projects as well okay and then also um let's see i also want to mention that your your colorist is dj chavis yeah dj chavis mm -hmm. uh another another former collaborator through the anthologies uh he he colored a, a, a story for us for the first deadbeats again uh he's also done some color work for atomic robo Mm -hmm. and, and elsewhere in the comics industry. So it's, it's all industry veterans, uh, all people I was really excited to tap to, to work with on this book. Our letterer is uh, Matt Kratzer. Mm -hmm. uh, he, once again, has, has done a number of books for uh, Dark Horse Image, a bunch of the stories in, in our anthologies with the Wave Blue World. That's pretty cool. All right. Now, um, I know you've done a number of Kickstarters, and I know, you know, one of them was... And, and I'm just going to point out one, one of the recently, um, um, recently miniseries Atlantis wasn't built for tourists. Um, when it came out on Kickstarter, it was a, a graphic novel. Um, and then, um, it was, and then it came out 
um, through Scout Comics as a five-part miniseries. Now, my questions, the, my next few questions um, is, it's kind of like one of those, how is the sausage made questions? So, you know, may, may I ask, you know, how did you decide to go um, the Kickstarter route for, you know, with your, you know, with most of your projects? How did that come about? Uh, you know, Kickstarter gives people a lot of creative freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, Atlantis wasn't built for tourists was kind of an offbeat title, uh, kind of an offbeat book. It's, it's a mix up of, of horror and uh, it's modern set, but it's got a lot of sensibilities of a Western. I often describe it as HP uh, Lovecraft meets Sergio Leone. Mm -hmm. When I, when I talk about the story and the, and the, the book I'm telling. So I didn't know what the audience was and Kickstarter um, allows you to put these projects up and it's a little bit like a canary in a coal mine. You can sort of figure out if there really is a market for these books, if, mm -hmm. if, you know, if readers are going to glom onto the stories the same way you do. I'm a big fan of the philosophy of make the books that you want to read. If you're a writer, if you're an artist, you know, you make the work that you yourself would want to, to absorb. And Kickstarter is uh, a good way to tell if you're not the only, make sure you're not the only one, right? To find your audience. And, you know, Kickstarter is uh, on pace. I've seen a couple articles floating around. It's already July and they're on pace to have another record setting uh, crowdfunding year just in terms of comics mm -hmm. you know and it's like the third consecutive year where they've broken records so it's it's definitely proof that there is a, a market for comics through kickstarter yes yes there is and then also um may, and and may i ask you know um what are some of the challenges of doing a kickstarter and how did you overcome them well so i work a full-time job and i also have uh, writing responsibilities. So the biggest challenge right now is uh, organizing these campaigns and being able to to do the marketing work, to do the, the legwork on social media and mm -hmm. organize podcast appearances like this one mm -hmm. or articles on, on news sites while at the same time, you know, keeping all those other plates spinning. Yes. Um, that's the big challenge. You know, mm -hmm. it's like having an extra full-time job on top of you know, whatever your normal responsibilities are. Yes. Um, and then um, I have to ask this question. Um, packing and shipping. <laughs> how, how, if you don't mind me asking, how, I mean, do you have, do you contract that out? Do you have it all come to your place and you just have a pizza party or something? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That last one, right? You, uh, you know, the, there's a company called uh, Genesis that makes these wonderful cardboard mailers. I'm sure if you've backed a lot of Kickstarters, you've seen them. Uh, they're, they're perfect uh, cardboard mailers designed for sending graphic novels. And uh, th that makes it very easy. I bought a label printer and a scale Mm -hmm. um, so that I can just go to stamps.com or uh, I use Indicia, which is a very similar service and just print the labels and, and package them myself. And that way they're pre-labeled. You don't have to give your postal worker a heart attack when you walk in with a hundred unlabeled packages at a time. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it's, you know, the, uh, the, the, the number of, of books that we're moving, 
I'm not too concerned about this. Mm -hmm. Something like the Deadbeats anthologies, uh, where we had uh, nearly a thousand backers on our first campaign, wow. and a Wave Blue World was responsible for mm -hmm. for the fulfillment of that one. And I, I, I don't know what that was like. I don't. Uh, I don't envy uh, Tyler over at uh, mm -hmm. at a Wave Blue World for having to fulfill those. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but I, 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 I'm just going to, and like I said, um, Eric, sorry, I'm, this is, um, I, I, what you're doing with Kickstarter, it, it sounds, it sounds great. It must sound fulfilling. I mean, it's hard work. Like you said, it's hard work, not only trying to get your creative team together, writing, um, you know, um, other types of stresses, um, and it also includes like, um, you know, also trying to do the, um, PR work literally the packaging and so forth but uh, my question is is it really I, it's going to sound like a stupid question but is it really fulfilling in the end when you see them all go on go this is great oh absolutely and you see uh people share their excitement on social media when they actually receive the packages and that's you know it's people posting about mail day and these cool packages they got mm -hmm. and the nice thing about this is you know i love the local comic store experience. And yes. you know, I have some of my best friends in the world I met because we used to hang out or we would hang out on Wednesdays mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's wonderful. But when you do these Kickstarter packages, you can throw in lots of little extras, pins and buttons and stickers. And, mm -hmm. and it is, it's like, it's like Christmas. It's, it's this really cool experience where you get to open the package and find out, you know, what cool extras did the, did the creators throw in for you? Oh, Yes. Yes, um, because I've I've backed um, uh, you know a couple of Kickstarters and it's so cool when you know you open something it's like I didn't expect this because I didn't know that a certain stretch goal was you know reached sure. because you know all I know is I just back it and I expect it in the mail that's all it is but it's so exciting yeah and there's there's definitely this cool feeling of of being privy to, to secret knowledge when you get, when you back a Kickstarter, right? Like you open the package and it's a book you've never, that, that most people haven't heard of and it's a wonderful story and it comes with all these cool items. And like, I get to, I get to be the person who, even if this book goes on, like Atlantis wasn't built for tourists, went on to become a scout miniseries mm -hmm. after the Kickstarter was fulfilled. But you know, there's that element of, I, I was on the ground floor. I discovered this before everyone else. Oh yeah. And, and if you don't, I'm sorry, I'm going to add on to that. And like you said is um, not only are you on the ground floor, but you know, um, but also too, you get to tell your friends, you know, and then, um, and then, you know, like, um, you know, um, when, you know, like, like you said, when Atlantis wasn't built for tourists, you know, when Scout Comics printed that out it, it probably took a few I, I don't I can't remember you know like a few months or so before it hit shops but already someone who had the graphic now already read it and just told their friends oh when it comes out pick it up it, all that buzz and excitement it spreads yeah one of the coolest things that had happened to me with that book was after the kickstarter was fulfilled but before the issue came out uh, a colleague of mine or a you know a a contemporary of mine in the comics industry came up to me and I didn't even know he had backed the project. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said, Hey, I heard Scout picked this book up. That's great. It really was a book that deserved a wider audience. And that was just the best compliment that you can get um, as a, 
as a comics creator uh, it, that uses Kickstarter. Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool to hear. Um, sorry. Uh, so Eric, um, I'm, you know, I'm going to ask um, before I move on um, any last words or thoughts about Manticore, your current Kickstarter right now. Sure. I wanted to just talk just a little bit about the format. Yes. Uh, we are doing this in, uh, it's going to be roughly uh, nine by 12 inches hardcover. Mm -hmm. uh, we're really sort of borrowing from that, you know, that European, French, Belgian graphic novella style uh, that um, I kind of fell in love with it because other American creators have done similar projects through crowdfunding. Ron Mars and uh, Matthew Dow Smith did um, uh, uh, a couple of books through Ominous Press, and then uh, Chip Mosher and Peter Krause did Blacking Out, uh, mm -hmm. also on Kickstarter. And I just sort of fell in love with the format. And I really like the idea of this, this item that is going to be uh, a very beautiful object in its own right. I think in my previous appearance, I talked about my first experiences with comics and how I discovered comics because a friend of mine had a ragged issue of Wolverine lying around his house and the spine was rolled and the cover was barely still attached. Mm -hmm. It was falling apart, but I just, I loved the experience of reading that. And I want Manticore to be that sort of experience for someone, you know, mm -hmm. someone can pick it up. And the reason that we're making it a hardcover and making it durable is because I want it to be something that can last and something that, you know, it, it will have that same experience to read it, but it won't fall apart on you. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's, that's kind of the goal with this book. No, and and no, and that's great. And I'm gonna, and it's great because also too, it's gonna stand out a little more among. Now, I, I love collected editions, you know, trade paperbacks and so forth, but it's gonna stand out a little bit more for me. I'm gonna say it's for me because if I look at my shelf with all my hardcovers, I'm gonna, I have to spend two, three minutes to go, which one is it? Which one is it? But with the size of Manticore, it's like, oh, there it is. You know, if I want to reread it again. Yeah. And I hope you do. Um. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, now I'm going to move on to Deadbeat's um, London Calling. And again, sure. I'm going to mention, again, it's going to be in your LCS on September 15th, along with um, the uh, a, re a reprint, correct, of the Deadbeat's Volume 1, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so... Uh, may I ask, can you, can you give a brief description of why? Well, I mean, we already covered it already. What am I saying? <laughs> Basically, it's a it's a horror music it's a horror um, music um, anthology series, right? Yes. So I'm, you know, um, I, I, this is an off the cuff question. Um, like, um, was it um, a wave blue world that came up with the idea of this anthology series, or how, how did the the idea of an anthology series come about for you? Sure. That was all the work of Joe Corallo, my co-editor on both volumes. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually came to the idea of wanting to create an anthology of stories that all involved music in some way. Mm -hmm. And the framing sequence that he envisioned for the book was similar to the Crypt Keeper in uh, the old tales from the crypt stories, mm -hmm. but in this case, it would be a sort of mysterious 
proprietor of a record store, the mm-hmm. Deadbeats record store of the title. And uh, so we, we created the shopkeeper. Uh, her design was by Lisa Sturl, and it's just this pretty, you know, this, this phenomenally creepy, somewhat <laughs> otherworldly monster uh, who runs this record store. And as she's giving a customer, the reader, a tour around the record store, we use it to segue into all of these different uh, musically themed uh, anthology uh, horror stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, now I'm going to ask, um, like, for actually for London Beats, London Calling. Um, you know, who were some of the creators involved um, in the London Calling um, volume? Sure. Well, I, I myself have a story uh, that I'm really proud of. I just signed off on the colors this morning, and it's uh, it was a. Uh, uh, it is a collaboration with a Sri Lankan. Uh, artist named Sachi, mm-hmm. and it tells the the secret true story behind one of the most infamous celebrity deaths of the 20th century. Uh, and I'm not going to say anything more than that, but I am extremely proud of the story I did. But in terms of the the other creators that we got to work with this time, we've got Ron Mars mm-hmm. uh, working with a, a new artist named Salvador Velasquez. Uh, they just turned in this phenomenal story. We've got L- Lila Sturgis, uh, Jody Hauser, Eva Cabrera, uh, William Mesner Loeb's, oh yes, uh, Kelly uh, Kelly Williams, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Adam Gorham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liana Kangas is actually writing a story this time. She actually drew a story for the first volume, and she'll be she'll be writing this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a number of, of of creators. That's just off the top of my head. Yeah. I'm sure I'm forgetting uh, some of the the other creators of of note, but uh, it's it's just a phenomenal lineup. Uh, we were as as things obviously progress when you put a book like this together you you have doubts is it going to be Mm -hmm. uh you know is it all going to come together in the end and i will say that it has just been a phenomenal experience and i think the sequel if anything is uh equal or superior to the first volume and i'm extremely proud of the first volume so please do check out uh deadbeats to london Mm -hmm. calling and you know if you haven't seen the first one definitely pick up the first volume uh on september 15th yeah Okay, now, Eric, you know, your story, you're, you already got me intrigued. <laughs> so when I get my, when I get mines in the mail, I'm, I'm definitely going to check that one out, first and foremost, you know. But yeah, that, is, that sounds so cool. Um, okay, I'm good. next, I'm going to move on to Blacksmith. And, if you, and feel free to talk more about that. But sure. I just only got maybe like, um, maybe one or two questions. So if you don't, uh, now I know, correct me if I'm wrong, Blacksmith, Issue number one came out, I believe, on July 7th. If you don't mind me asking, how are the sales for the first issue? Sales have been great. Uh, I don't have exact numbers. Uh, I know that Ahoy is very happy with the book. We've been seeing reorders. Uh, People are still talking about it. The reviews have been very good. you know, I, you have a new book launch. You're always a little bit nervous about how it'll be received, but yeah, Wendell and I and the rest of the team could not be happier with how it's been received, uh, both in terms of sales and in terms of, uh, the critical response. Mm-hmm. No, but yes, congratulations on that. And then, um, now according to my research issue, number two comes out on August 11th, 
with, um, I'm going to try to pronounce the artist's name, Liana Kangas cover. Um, for one of the, I guess, one of the variant covers or something, or alternate so covers. So Liana is doing the the standard covers for the whole series. Oh, okay. Our variant cover for issue two is done by Steve Pugh. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. uh, um, and uh, he's, he's a, a you know, artist on some other books for Ahoy and stepped in to do this really phenomenal cover, this variant cover. The first issue variant cover was by Jamal Eigel, uh, mm -hmm. who is a pal of mine. And uh, he's also, he also wrote a story for Dead Beats too. And shame on me for forgetting his name uh, uh, when I mentioned everyone who was in the book. But yeah, he turned in just a knockout first issue variant cover. Uh, and, uh, so Steve Pugh is doing the variant for, uh, issue two, the interiors are by Wendell Cavalcanti, uh, for the whole series. And then, like I said, Liana will be doing the, the covers. And I think I love all five of the covers that Liana produced and each subsequent cover becomes my favorite as soon as she, she rolled it out. So issue two has just got a, a great cover. We introduced some further uh, wrinkles in this sort of secret supernatural underground that exists in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we really kind of get into the meat of the story that we're telling with issue two. Mm -hmm. um, so listeners, you know, if you guys get a chance, you know, please um, pick up the um, blacksmith um, limited series. I've read the first issue. I read the advanced copy of the first issue. I love it. Um, and seriously, you know, I can't wait to read issue number two. There's uh, just a, the, for the listeners who may not have listened to our previous discussion, Jason, Hi. it's a, uh, it's a supernatural noir detective story about uh, a PI who also happens to be a werewolf uh, who has years ago uh, abandoned that supernatural side of herself. Uh, and then a case pops up that sort of makes her question whether she needs to reenter that world to take on this case of a lifetime. Eric, thank you very much for, yes, thank you very much for letting our listeners know what the um, series is about. Thank you very much for that. Okay, so um, next part of the interview, I'm going to start asking fun questions. Sure, you, already, sure. you already saw one of the questions already. How did you and, you and your sister get invited to the X-Men Hellfire Gala? So uh, Adrienne got the invite first, and uh, she basically took me as a plus one. Uh, and Marvel was very cool with that on account of, you know, I, I had written a story for them a few years ago for a book card called Guardians of Infinity. So uh -huh. there was at least that tenuous Marvel connection. And of course, this is not how I imagined my, what I imagined my glorious return to Marvel Comics would be, but I'll take it. Uh, I appeared in uh, X-Core number two, mm -hmm. um, uh, written by... Uh, Teeny Howard. I'm not sure. Teeny is a is an acquaintance of mine, and I'm not sure if she even knew I would be in the book. But but there I was, uh, Adrian and I both. Okay, I'm sorry. This is an off the cuff question because when you said that Adrian got the invitation first, how is that possible? You're you're a comics book writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she's a superhero though. She's Mockingbird, so you know she she got to go. Uh, by virtue of her involvement with with the agents of shield mm -hmm. so and and don't you know you know she's primarily known for that part of her life but we co-wrote a book together so she's she's dipped her toes in the in the comic book writing uh, world as well 
<laughs> That's true. Yes, that is true. Okay. Um, my next question is, how big is your comic book collection? I have a lot of graphic novels. I have a lot of collected editions. I have a whole room devoted to the, the, the collected editions. I recently got involved in starting to pick up a few, uh, you know, key issues yeah. uh, from a collector's standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, mostly sort of spurred by the pandemic and just needing a, an additional hobby on, addition, on top of, you know, the, the, all the other plates I keep spinning. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I've been picking up books that have, uh, that are collectible, but have personal meaning to me. Uh, Kitty Pride is my favorite, uh, my favorite X-Men. Uh -huh. um, and on top of that, you know, she's, she's a character I got to write one time. So uh, I, I recently acquired a copy of uh, uh, her first appearance. Uh, I have uh, the first appearance of uh, Bobby Morse as Mockingbird. Um, because of the connection to my sister, yes, um, you know, and, and little bits and bobs like that. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of trying to find some books that I really enjoyed as uh, as as a kid when I first started collecting comics in the early '90s. Uh, so I've been kind of picking up the the collectible variant, uh, like the gold cover of Wildcats number one, things like that. Which. Wow. <laughs> And correct me if I'm wrong, for the first appearance of Kitty Pride, um, I know you said you got that first issue. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was X-Men 129? Yes. Okay. If you don't mind me asking, was that already slabbed or was it wrong? No, they're, they're unslabbed and they're not great. The, the oh. quality is not great, uh, but they're, it's, it's not something I'm collecting to, you know, eventually sell it resell and put a down payment down on a house uh but you know it's just something that i wanted because of uh, my personal connection to it yeah no i understand yeah i understand it's kind of like it's like that um like you say it's a personal connection and it's a little bit of that nostalgia like you said that kitty pride is your favorite character oh yeah that's so cool um let's see i'm gonna ask you know um i'm gonna start wrapping this up Sure. Do you want to promote any of your friends' Kickstarters that are either just started or will be starting soon? There are a lot, and yes. I am terribly afraid that I'm going to forget some people. Uh, but uh, currently, uh, my friend uh, Kevin Powers is running a Kickstarter for the second volume of his Patriot One graphic novel. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, sort of new publisher on the scene black box comics is running a kickstarter for their first graphic novel and i definitely recommend people check that out mm -hmm. uh you know those are two off the top of my head and there will be a number of others that i am certain again that i'm forgetting uh but i guess uh, you know i'm a lover of of kickstarter so i would recommend people just keep track keep tabs on me on on twitter Mm -hmm. because I retweet everything that I back. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, one more is Bob Sally is doing uh, uh, a Kickstarter for his Twilight Tavern series through Source Point Press. Definitely want to check that one out uh, if you're a fan of, of science fiction. If you like Star Wars, you should definitely check out Bob Sally's work uh, with Source Point. 
and that's on. Is it currently on? Is it is that campaign currently on right now? Yeah, it started. I think the same day as mine. Okay. So. Okay. No, because now I'm, now you're now I'm like now I may back that one too. Okay. All right. So so when you mentioned about you know the people follow you on um you know Twitter regarding the you know Kickstarters that you back, it's a perfect segue. Can you promote your um social media um platforms? Sure. I'm uh, on. Twitter and Instagram at Eric Palicki. Definitely sharing a lot of Manticore art and, and news as we go through this next month. But after that, we'll return to, uh, you know, more regularly scheduled nonsense about Blacksmith and, you know, just, uh, you know, snarky commentary about the comics industry at large. All right. Um, Eric, thank you very much. Um, any, any last words to our listeners? I just want to say, you know, uh, please check out Manticore, but also just I really appreciate anyone who checks out my work in, in, any, in any way, in any fashion, whether it's digitally, whether they buy it at their LCS. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, you know, really proud of the work that I've been producing lately uh, with, my, with my friends. You know, that's the best part about comics is I get to wake up and, and work with my friends all day. And I just want to say, speaking of my friends, thank you so much, Jason, for, for having me back in such short order. I really enjoyed talking with you about, uh, about comics. No, actually, Eric, you know, just Eric, no, thank you. Very, you know, thank you very much. You know, thank you very much for coming back. You know, um, thank you for your time. Just thank you very much. Um, so, and, you know, um, Eric, you know, I wish you all the success for Manticore blacksmith and deadbeats you know um the reprints of deadbeats volume one and london calling so and eric like i said you know again just you know mahalo thank you very much for coming back on the show thank you very much well mahalo for having me of course <laughs> i hope i'm using that correctly i don't want to no actually you are mahalo okay. mahalo means thank you in hawaiian so okay. that's perfect um now, for our listeners, if you're interested in backing Eric's Manticore original oversized hardcover graphic novella, please go to kickstarter.com. The campaign ends on August 12th. Also, too, um, his unlimited series, Blacksmith, um, Blacksmith number two from Ahoy Comics, um, should be in your shops on August 11th. The preview code for that is JUN21. One two one four, and also too. Let's not. I'm not going to forget this one too. Deadbeats London Calling um, will be in your shops on September 15th. That previews code that I know of um, is JUL two one one four one eight, and the cost for that collection is nineteen um, nineteen ninety nine. And also too, on the same day as September 15th. Also, you know, um, Deadbeats um, Volume 1 reprint will be also in um, stores at that time as well. Um, do you want to add anything else, Eric, before I wrap this up? No, that was fantastic. Again, thank you for that very comprehensive uh, list of what I've got coming. Just uh, the, the other comment would be that uh, uh, Blacksmith is monthly, so issue three, three, four, and five will be out in uh, September, October, and November, respectively. So... You know, just let your LCS know you want to subscribe to the full series and, you know, do me a solid there. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you. And, you know, 
And I want to thank Drew, you know, the co-host for, of Comics for Fun and Profit. You know, Drew, thank you very much for putting this episode together. Thank you for all your hard work behind the scenes. You know, and if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. You know, and I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha.